0: think of it but the icon of uh, the bridegroom is an icon of judgment uh, you know generally like we have the Sunday of the last judgment, you've got the one that's sort of drawn from literally drawn the icon from Matthew 25 and it's got a, you know it, and it usually pictures a big snake and, and things and, and everybody a um, big judgment scary thing. I remember Father, uh, and oftentimes I'll put that icon out there. I remember Father Thomas Hocko uh, cautioning us, uh, just sort of learning in conference about icons. He says, don't kiss snakes. So they on that icon, the big thing that's swallowing everything, he said, don't kiss that. In fact, he generally said, don't put that icon out. It's, used to, it's supposed to be up on the wall as a fresco. And you kind of turn it into this venerating icon. But this... This is an icon of judgment. Uh, Really scary, isn't it? No, it's not scary. Uh, This is the icon, and and we call it the icon of the Bridegroom. It is believed that the original model of this icon is actually the Shroud of Turin. Um, There's uh, very uh, good evidence on the shroud itself, and there's some written evidence that when it was kept in Constantinople on Fridays. Uh, in the church of Bethany, where it was kept, there was a special service done, and there was this box built with a sort of, the Byzantines love mechanical stuff. I mean, so but there was a box that, uh, at a certain point in the service, would raise this image out of the box that looked like this, without a stick that looked like this. If you look at this, if you look at that upper half of the shroud, you'll see it's the same image. In fact, it's hard to figure out where else they get this from. This image was brought out on those Fridays and, and venerated. That's one of the one of the earliest written records we have of what we believe because the description of what was on the cloth seems to have, in fact, been the image on the shroud. So uh, we've been the church has been looking at this a very long time, eventually with this icon, and yet as I say, you look at it. That's not scary. Well, the judgment is not a meditation. Even the announcement of the judgment is not a meditation meant to scare us. The story, two stories we heard tonight in the hymns contrast two stories of judgment. One is the story of Judas, whose judgment turns badly. Um, the other is the story of the heart. Um, and it's interesting. They meet as she is uh, anointing, in in terms of one of the gospel stories, as she is anointing Christ's feet with this very, very expensive uh, spice that she's bought and is drying them with her hair. And she is known to be a sinful woman. She's doing this. She's doing a brazen thing, as in normally when you're that kind of person, you hide. You duck away, you don't put yourself uh, in a Pharisee's home out in front of everybody to do that. But it's like she doesn't see anybody in that room but Jesus. The bridegroom, the bridegroom. And like as though she were a virgin, she has brought myrrh. She has her oil for her lamp and she's pouring it out on him and bathing his feet with her tears. Uh, Nothing is keeping her away from him. Not her sins, not the judgment, not her shame. Nothing is standing between her and him. She recognizes her bridegroom and runs to him like a bride. Judas is upset and wants to lecture Christ. That could have been sold and the money given to the poor though we're told in John's gospel that actually he was a thief and he only wanted more money to steal. Uh, this is a darkness that's entering his heart. The church in these first several days of great uh, Lent puts the image of the bridegroom before us and it's bringing us to sort of an apex of judgment at this period just beyond lit to prepare us for what we're going uh, to see and walk through with Christ himself. And this is a judgment of the heart A judgment that really takes place in the heart. For in the heart, it's possible to harbor the thoughts of Judas. It's frightful. But we can. I have. I don't know about you. They don't usually come out looking as nasty as betraying Jesus with a kiss. But there's a reason why the church, every Sunday, every liturgy, has us promised, I will not betray thee with a kiss as did Judas, because... It's quite possible. It's quite possible. I would say we betray him with a kiss every time we ignore him in the naked, the poor, the hungry. We, all these places, Christ gives himself to us, and we uh, dismiss them with a kiss, or worse. Uh, but he, they, he presents this to us that you will not scare him, saying, "Hurry up, get better, perform, get it right." I'm judging. It's this image of unmistakable tenderness. Christ himself bearing the fullness of our shame uh, as he's been mocked and spat on and beaten with a rod and all these things of of thorns is on him now presented to us as a bridegroom, not the scary bridegroom, uh, but a bridegroom who says, could you love me? Could you love me with such tenderness you, you can see there is no harm in this bridegroom. There's no hurt in him. There's no hurt. Judas, Judas, at that moment could have said, you wouldn't believe it, but I've been stealing from you. Jesus would have said, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could have been a very different story that night. There's nothing, nothing in Jesus that prevented Judas from doing that. And there's nothing... Uh, between us and Jesus that keeps us from taking our turn with the harlot, bathing his feet with our tears and whispering with whatever sincerity we can muster. And sometimes it's just really, really weak. But with whatever sincerity we can muster, Jesus, have mercy on me. I love you. Help my unbelief. Help my love. Give me, Christ, to love you everywhere, always, in all things. In heaven we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever, to ages of ages. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, choir tonight and for the trio offering. It was sweet <laughs> and uh, it spoke to my heart, as I'm sure it did to many others. I appreciate that because I know it takes rehearsal and then (laughs) nerves and and voice. Thank you so much. Tomorrow is Wednesday. So tomorrow morning, is it at 6.30? Eight Eight, eight, eight o'clock. Tomorrow morning, eight Uh, o'clock. We're going to be presented by